Well, hey, good morning, everyone. Oh, God, you're dead. Okay, let's try. I, I'm sorry. I gotta, I, we, we just got to do that again. Good morning, everyone. All right, even if you faked it right there, I just appreciate that. Always fake it, right? Um, I want to show you a quote this morning from an absolutely just amazing woman. Her name is Johnny Erickson Tata. Anyone familiar with that name? Okay, those of you who aren't, make sure when you leave here today, just Google it, because this woman's story is incredible. First, Johnny is a woman. Yes, she does have a male name and a male spelling. There's a cool backstory to that. Johnny's mom and dad were rugged outdoorsman types, and they raised her, their daughter, Johnny, to be the same. And when Johnny was 17 years old, she was cliff diving, because, of course, that's what you do if you're a rugged outdoors type at 17 years old, except on this particular dive. When she came up from the water, she came up as a quadriplegic for life because of hitting rocks that were too shallow. And Johnny went through her own dark night of the soul that she writes extensively and has shared extensively about. But more importantly, Johnny has become a prolific author, a prolific painter. How does that work when you're a quadriplegic? Google it when you leave today. And more than that, a motivational speaker and, 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 and uh, um, preacher, if I can use the word. Just bringing utter hope and perspective and insight into people in times of suffering, in times of loss, in times when it seems helpless or hopeless, in times where people are crying out, God, where were you? Or God, how dare you? I highly encourage you, if you've ever struggled with any of that, to read her work. Being said, with that context, take a look at this quote. It's awesome. She says this, ministry is messy. God plops people with disabilities in the midst of our families and churches like a hand grenade that blows apart our picture-perfect worlds. The uncomely parts are critical to the life of the body. We want the church to see some of these disenfranchised folks as the indispensable part of the body. Which leads me to a second quote that I want to share with you today. This is from a follower of Jesus named Paul. And listen to what he says. Now the body, referring to us who gather in the name of Jesus, think of us like a human body, right? The body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would, for, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Let me word that a little bit differently. But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of you, every one of you, just as he wanted them to be. If we were all one part, where would the body be? 
As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Now, he goes on. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of his body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. God is talking about us. Now, I want you to take that map And I want you to plug in that video that we just saw in this quote by Johnny Erickson Tata here. That there is a part of the body, maybe to use Jesus' words, that are often thought of as the least of these. People with developmental disabilities, mental disabilities, special needs. People who are often at most tolerated or put up with and oftentimes at best are viewed as someone loved by God, but someone to be pitied. But God turns around and says, no, you see those parts? Without them, there's no body. Without them, this doesn't function. Without them, something is deeply missing. You ever try to function without part of your body? It is an unpleasant experience, is it not? And God calls them indispensable. What we're going to be doing today is is talking about this. This part of the body that often gets very little attention, particularly in the church, this part of the body that are called the least of these by Jesus, but so indispensable, as Paul puts it, those with special needs. Now, there are some of you here today who live this firsthand. You are special needs. You have someone's special needs in your family, maybe a child, maybe a sibling. And you experience something that most of us can't imagine. You're in the thick of it. Our hope today is that if you find yourself in that place with all the concomitant worry, fatigue, stress, and struggles that are unique to your situation, that somehow and in some way what God has to say comes shining through brightly, that that God has put that together, that family unit together that you are in very intentionally that God doesn't make mistakes, and that rather than something to struggle and suffer through, God looks at you and goes, indispensable. And that is the church we should too. To the other 95% of us in this room, however, 
who don't live with that firsthand, don't have someone in our family, don't have kids or siblings who are, who are special needs. And for us, it's something that's talked about but not lived, interacted with maybe at a party, maybe at an event, maybe once in a while at a friend's house, but we get to go home at the end of the night. My hope is that for those of us who find ourselves in this place, that somehow we start to see the situation differently. Start to see these families and these individuals who come with their own special sets of situations and issues and problems as something that God calls mission critical. And for those of us here who, who can I just kind of put it this way, on the one to 10 scale of patients tend to live in the negative three most of our lives, especially with, shall we say, people who demand that extra degree that somehow through it all, we, we start to see things with a different perspective when it comes to those with special needs and learn what, what it means to have patience and kindness and love and to value those who are indispensable. So what I want to do now is introduce you to another amazing woman. And we get more than quotes, we get live. Her name is Jana Peters, and she's been with us here at Fellowship of Faith for, I would say, about 10 years now. I, I've had the chance to know Jana for, for 10 to 12 years. I knew her husband, Keith, before that. And, and while I've, I met Jana before this incident, I'll share momentarily. The first memory I have of Jana is actually on her one-year anniversary because she and her husband chose to share it with, with us. And it was... Palm Sunday or the night before, and it was 11 p.m. at our place, and they said, you know what we should do for our one-year anniversary? Walk 22 miles through the night from Harvard, Illinois, down here to uh, McHenry. And I'm just like, this girl is awesome. Jana is a deaconess. That basically means her uniform, instead of being black with a white collar, is blue instead. A deaconess is a professional servant in the church world, people who have stepped forward to give their, their lives, their vocation to professional service to others, often in acts of charity and acts of mercy and in various acts of service, often to those who are the least of these. Jana has been a deaconess now for, well, I don't know, a long time, 14 years, I think she said earlier, with, um, now with Bethesda Lutheran Ministries, a ministry that, that devotes itself to reaching people with special needs. And I thought what would be good here today is just to kind of hear from Jana the insights that she's come to see and what it means to function together as a body with those who are special needs. So would you join me in welcoming Jana Peters? Come on up, Jana. It's so cool having you here today doing this. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Thanks, Dave. You're welcome. Thanks for coming. You know, I, I just kind of did a, 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 a lousy kind of job of introducing my, uh, you, you to the congregation. Uh, why don't you just share with us a little bit more in depth what, what Bethesda's about and like what you actually do with them and have been doing. Voice of care as well, if you want. Yeah, so I've been working with special needs the whole time I've been a deaconess, so about 14 years, uh, which, which is a long time. And so what I've gotten to do is I've gotten to go into group homes and bring the word of the Lord to those men and women because a lot of them aren't able to come to a congregation. 
Um, and those are secular homes. And so with Bethesda, what I've been able to do is working with the organization, we try to get the men and women to church, to bring them um, to the building, to our Lord's home, um, so that they can be around their pastor and the congregation. And so Ricky, who you saw on the video, he is a member of Zion Lutheran in Clayman, Wisconsin, and just became baptized and confirmed, and he does not miss a Sunday. And their church starts at like 8 a.m., and he's there every Sunday praising the Lord in his congregation. So I love getting to work with the men and women, finding out what their goals are, and helping them accomplish them within the community. And I gotta say, it's just, it's so cool that that wasn't just like a talking head because you know, you get these, these promo videos from all kinds of organizations like, wait, you're like real and, and I know you and to, to just be baptized like that recently. So you get to go into these homes and to these institutions and just love on them and share the love of Jesus with them and teach them Bible stories and sing songs and help them do crafts and connect them in and you're minister to families. And <laughs> it's, the greatest job. it's a cool, cool, I, I can't imagine the challenge though as well. There are, yeah. It sounds so exciting, but talk about the dark side. Well, um, so when we have like a, a group home in a certain area and I first go to the church to say, hey, Bethesda really wants to come to your, to your church, there, there is a fear. Um, humans are fearful of the unknown. And so it's, it's going, okay, let's get past the labels. Yes, some of them happen to be autistic. Some of them happen to have Down syndrome, but that's not who they are. Uh, Ricky loves sports, absolutely loves sports, and he will talk your ear off about sports. Um, they telling them like they want to come to church, they want to worship the Lord, and they're very scared. And so it's very much taking baby steps to educate the congregation of who these men and women are and to set the label aside. If you would, talk to me a little bit more about that, because of course, our, like you said, our natural human reaction is when we see people, we categorize, mm -hmm. right? At 9 a.m., we had a, a Hispanic church come and just visit with us. At, well, they came at like 9.30, um, and they came in, and 30 people sat right here, and it's like, oh, okay, doesn't look like us, it's the Hispanic church. And of course, when it comes to special needs, there's often very visible tells or behavioral tells that happen right away, and it's easy to look at someone and view them by their label. How do you help people transition from labels to human beings? Talk right. about that. So I'm gonna, I'm that's gonna, me clicking, I'm sorry. No worries, I'm going to switch it, I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Dave, what are your weaknesses? Oh, I'm not even going to start. <laughs> that, 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 that list is a mile long. Ask her over there, she has a better... Um, you know, better take on it than me. But you know what people generally tell me is that, you know, the weak points that I have is that I'm devastatingly handsome, wise beyond my years, and incredibly humble. So. Humble, huh? <laughs> yeah, humble, yeah. Well, <laughs> and people with intellectual disabilities, they're not always able to hide their weaknesses. So yeah. all of us in here have weaknesses. Dave has many, ask Tina. Um, but <laughs> we can't, they can't always hide it. And so what we want to do is find out what their abilities are. We want to go, okay, we all have weaknesses, but that's not who you are. That doesn't identify you. So let's find out what's in your heart and make sure that we are bringing out all the gifts that God gave you to serve in the church and in the community. You are a person, and it is more than this label yep. that we like to give and see you by and see you for you as what I heard at nine and hearing again and again. I love that sports analogy too. And you know, can I um, maybe tangentially bring us off? I think this might be helpful to hit now. Um, 30 years ago when I was growing up, I have a, a cousin who has Down syndrome and it was perfectly acceptable to call him mentally retarded. 
you know, not as a put down, but that was the language. And then the language changed. And then the language changed again. And it seems like every five years, the language keeps changing. And so can you just unpack for us what we're talking about today when we use the term special needs? Am I even using that correctly? Yeah, um, but but yep. tell us what, tell the people here today what we're actually talking about. All right. And so this, I want you guys to know and understand. I'm actually going to, there we go. We're going to skip this first slide. So I'm going to go straight to intellectual disabilities. So mental retardation um, is what doctors use, and they're still going to use that term. But Rosa's law, the family fought for two years. Rosa is a young lady who happens to have Down syndrome, and her family fought for two years to have the word mental retardation in most areas um, changed to intellectual disabilities. So now when you hear intellectual disabilities, it's um, what used to be mental retardation. Because language changes, humans change, and we're mean, and we change words to slang. Um, and so it's very important that we get, you'll see, uh, I saw a gentleman wearing a shirt that said, get rid of the R word. And we don't want to hurt people. We want to just surround them with love. And if changing um, the word in our everyday life from mental retardation to intellectual disability is going to help people feel feel better about themselves, then we definitely want to do it. And Rosa's brother, um, I have a quote from her brother. He says, and he was a teenager when he said this, he said, what you call people is how you treat them. If we change the words, maybe it will be the start of a new attitude toward people with disabilities. And the language is going to keep changing. I'm sure this will change in the next five to ten years as well. But... Um, if the words are going to build people up rather than push them down, then I say we change them. Now, is developmental disability purely a synonym for mental retardation, or does it include other things no, as well? No, I can't go backwards. I have more information on this if we don't talk to you. If you want more information on it, it's in the back. So some people with developmental disabilities don't actually have intellectual disabilities. Um, so let's see, having a physical or mental impairment that becomes apparent shortly after birth or during childhood and delays limits to prevent the regression of normal development um, in your in everyday life. And then um, with intellectual disability um, and significant impairment in cognitive functioning according by defect in skills necessary for independent daily functioning um, was known as, as mental retardation. So there's just a little difference. Um, not everyone who has developmental disabilities has an intellectual disability. And so when we use the term special needs, it seems to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, a broader umbrella term that goes beyond Down syndrome, yeah, let's say, yeah. to include all kinds of things that people often don't think of as disabilities, anything from, from the autistic spectrum to maybe ADD or ADHD to, to other things, to learning disabilities, uh, to learning disabilities um, anything that's going to require um, a special way of treatment or a different way of approaching a human being because of a limitation they have is, is kind of the sense, right? And so Paul and Johnny, who quotes who, we'll figure it out later, um, talk about people with special needs as indispensable to the body. It's been my experience that in a lot of churches, there is a lot of compassion and care for people with special needs. It's also been my, my experience that there's always a minority in churches that just have a certain sense of intolerance um, because they're loud or they act up in the service and they interrupt or they run around or they have issues and there isn't that sense of understanding or compassion 
there. But I've rarely seen churches approach people with intellectual disabilities or whatever they might be as indispensable cogs in the, the, the working of the body as having an important role to play. You've seen that kind of thing. Can you share a, a story or two or an, a, an experience or two? You mentioned one with the Marine. I know at 9 o'clock, I don't want to pigeonhole you to that, but just give us a picture of what that looks like. Yeah, so a lot of the, a lot of the men and women, um, even in one, the first video that you guys saw, there was... Um, Dick was in that video, and he just lives over in Aurora, and he just loves to do um, the offering, and he loves helping with with communion, um, and his church has um, embraced him and found out what he enjoys and what his skills are. Uh, the story with the Marines, since you kind of hinted at <laughs> that, he and this gentleman who was in the Marines, he volunteered at a special needs camp, and he only did it because his daughter had begged him to volunteer with to volunteer with her and so they paired him up one to one and he got Sean and uh, this marine he he wasn't a believer and um, so he asked Sean who um, the world sees as having a disability um, why do you believe and he looks at me he's like because Jesus died on the cross and washed me of my sins and he loves me so much and that the Holy Spirit just worked in the gentleman who was the Marines and loved to jump out of planes. And um, the Holy Spirit just grabbed his heart that day and he became a believer and a witness for the Lord. So and You know what's so amazing about that story to me too is I know so many people who are believers without intellectual disabilities who are so disabled in talking about their faith. They are so afraid to, sheepish to, nervous to, afraid to kind of, well, we've been there, right? Uh, is this polite to talk about? And just the pure innocence of someone who is a stronger witness in this, this, this hardened Marine's life than I think anyone else could be. It's just, oh, rock they'll, they'll on. They'll just tell you what they believe. Like, that's, that's part of our weakness is like the world kind of makes us watch what we say and holds back. And they're just going to tell you how they feel. <laughs> a lot of them, not everyone. But um, yeah, like I was trying to... Uh, teach about the triune God, and that can be complicated at times. And a little bit, a yeah, little, bit. little bit. And Joel looks at me, and he's like, "Jana, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. Like, why is this complicated? Like, why do you keep repeating it?" And I was like, "So you understand it, Joel?" And he's like, "Yes." And I was like, "Excellent." Okay, next lesson. <laughs> right, right. right. Long, Joel. Thank you, thank you. So yeah, they just they just love the Lord with all their hearts, and nothing holds them back, which is pretty cool. Now, I, I know this is, this is far more than a job for you. No one becomes a deaconess for the paycheck. I mean, I mean this, is, this is a life calling and passion. But at the same time, I also know this has come into your family personally. It's no longer just a job you go to, but something you live with your own family 24-7. Could you give us some insight into uh, that? So my middle daughter, Emily, we learned at a young age that she was intense, um, very intense. And we kept going, you know, there's just something seems like not right here. And it was very much you had to uh, control her. You would tell her how she was going to act. You would kind of give her all these cues and a heads up so that she could survive going to the store, going to visit family, going to a friend's house. You keep her close. Um, and we got into counseling, which helped. And she was able to work on some of her big emotions and behaviors. 
and we were able to do a program called Brain Balance, which was awesome for her. And we learned that she had five primitive reflexes. And anytime you have just one reflex, you're going to have some behaviors. And she had five. So there was a lot her little brain was fighting through. And then we learned all about food allergies as well that she was fighting through. So it can be um, loud at our house um, and intense and lots of movement. Um, there is never a dull moment. Um, there's always excitement at our house. Um, but it's a... Uh, it's a process with, with kids and learning the ropes and finding just how to help them because um, no child wants to just break down and not be able to control themselves. Well, and, you know, and I know, and I think I could speak for just about every parent here. Anyone who's raised a toddler at some point has wanted to change their name and move out of state in the <laughs> middle of the night, right? I mean, it, it, is, it is an exhausting prospect in its own right. And then you add the special needs component on top of it. And things, I would imagine, just exponentially get more difficult. Yes. How, how are you still standing here, like, <laughs> smiling today? I, I guess that's the question. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, you just, you learn how to work, you learn how to survive day to day. Um, you don't leave the house a lot. Sometimes you feel like a prisoner in your own home. Um, sometimes you, um, if there's two adults, you can leave the one child in the car with one adult and get the grocery shopping done and come back out. If not, um, you <laughs> get them in one of those seats and strap them in and <laughs> go in the store if needed. As she's gotten older, though, it's, it's not that intense. But when she was young, it was, you didn't really want to go to the store. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet, yeah, or anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, except outside to run and the playground. Those are good places. <laughs> you know, most of us here have not grown up with uh, special needs kids or siblings, um, whether, you know, at the same age as us or, or our own kids. Um, and, and so I got to imagine a lot of us, well, we have vague ideas of the struggles, are somewhat naive, both in, in the homes that you've served, the, the families that you've served, and, and also in, in your own personal experience. Can you just kind of clarify or detail what are some of the daily struggles families like this face? You, you mentioned shopping. Okay, that's, that's one. But, but, but take it further than that. Well, and depending on the family, depending on how many medical issues there are, um, they're at appointments a lot, um, and they never get ahead. Um, so if you wanted to help a family, if you're close to that family, be their voice, because the family's not going to tell you what they need. Um, but if you're close to them, be their voice and let us know. God loves to use humans to help other humans. Um, so if, they, if they're at appointments constantly, we can come cut their grass, cook them a meal on an appointment day, um, come clean something in their house that needs to be cleaned um, because they're constantly on the road. And, and if I'm hearing you correctly, it, it's also don't ask what you need. Jana, what do you need? Just like show up and like, do like a rogue cut on the lawn. Exactly. Right? They're just exactly, yeah. kicking the door, here's food, and then leave. Like then, <laughs> that kind of thing. It, Basically. Or close to. All right. To yeah. Yeah. The, the appointments can get um, really get uh, people down. So, so. I, I don't want to speak for you too much, but I've got to imagine you had uh, breaking points in your own family. And, and that far more you've seen breaking points in the families that you minister to and serve through Bethesda. I've got to imagine that there's at least a family, probably more here today, kind of going, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, you get to, I, at me, what? it was like, after five years, I'm like, we've worked so hard. Why is nothing helping? Um, yeah, what advice can you give to families like that today? Speak up. Let us help. Um, 
yeah, talking, having a safe person to talk to. Um, and if they choose you as that safe person, to just kind of keep it private, um, but let them talk to you. Smile at families. Um, here at church, if, if there is a kid going through a tantrum and you kind of see that they're probably too old to be having a tantrum, toddlers have tantrum. That's a good thing. They get to have tantrums. But you're supposed to eventually grow out of a toddler-type tantrum. I guess even adults have tantrums, so I guess you In their own way, yeah. closely at it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but smile at the families. When it's an appropriate time, let them know they're doing a good job because they are run down. Um, I had a friend who said they had, they lived up north in Wisconsin and they were trying out a church and they were really trying to keep their kids quiet and they have two that have special needs. And someone just walked up to them and said, you're doing a good job. And they said they just kind of like all the stress <laughs> just kind of melted from them and they were like, okay, we can come back. They don't mind these noises. They're okay with are my kids being who my kids just are. You know, you, you can't uh, spank it out of them. Like, this is who they are. And we just need to accept them and love them for that. Um, even though we might see them as um, weak, God sees them as indispensable, and they have a purpose in our community and congregation. You know, and as you were sharing that, I just kind of felt prompted. I, I don't know the situations here today, but, but if you're here today and you are struggling through a special needs situation, you are doing a good job. You are doing a good job. God looks down and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Hang in there. It is hard. I can't imagine. How, how is your faith played in? Let's see. It keeps me going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, God, you got to help me through this day. Um, and to know just like in Psalm 139, God says, I knit you together in your mother's womb. I, you're fearfully and wonderfully made to go, okay, Emily might be intense, but this is who God made her to be. And we've gotten help to like help us, you know, get through some of these curves, but this is still who Emily is. And to just love her and know that God has a purpose for her. And I will say we went up to Shelter Village with The Rock yeah. and we went in and we were playing, I think, bingo that day. It was one of our service days. And so she has this group of adults um, who have intellectual disabilities at the table, and they're playing the games. She has them all laughing. I mean, like, belly laughing. Like, she is just being a goofball, and they are just loving the entertainment. And so to see that and going, okay, God, oh, my gosh, you just use Emily to brighten up these men and women's day and to know that he's working through me to help her and he's working through her to make people laugh. And I've taken her um, a lot with me to work. And she's, mm. she's really, I took her to a children's home where the, the children all happened to be in a wheelchair. And I did it to prove to an adult that anyone could serve. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and she, she was remarkable. Um, she, their hands happened to be real tight, and a lot of times that scares people away from touching them. And she smacks her hand in between theirs, and she just stares at them. And she's just looking, and she stays there while the music is playing. And then she goes on to the next person, and she helps shake their instruments. And the adult, who wasn't sure about serving's mouth, was like open just watching her wow. love on all of God's children. So the Lord definitely works through us and gives us those moments where we're like, okay, we can do this. We can do this. <laughs> awesome. You know, the time goes mercilessly quick. The clock is always our enemy at Fellowship of Faith. Um, so as we wrap this up today, 
if there's just kind of like one final thought that you'd like to leave us with as a church, what would yeah. it be? Um, two things. One, if someone's pregnant with a child with a special need or has a child right away with a special need, say congratulations because that is a child of God first and foremost. And we need to let those parents know that we love this baby just the way God made it. And they're going to take the response from you. And if you do are overwhelmed and stressed or you're worried about sending your child to Sunday school because of their behaviors, uh, come talk to us. We want to embrace your child and love them for who God made them to be. Jeez, Jana, thanks so much for just coming up and, and, and sharing this. Um, off the bat, let's just give Jana a hand. Um, thank her for her time today. And, um, you know, as you're leaving today, um, there's this table out there, and I don't mean like the junk rummage sale table, I mean on the other side, um, where, where Jana's going to be after the service today. And, uh, you know, maybe you're in the trench on this one, and you're struggling firsthand. I encourage you, you meet, meet this amazing woman and, and learn about what her ministry does. Um, maybe you're here and you just feel convicted by some of this, going, yeah, how do, how, how do we love on this group of people that are often forgotten. Stop by Jana's table and uh, she'll help you through. Jana, thanks again so much. All right, so why don't we stand up too? We're going to commune today. And uh, we get to come together as the body of Christ. Hey, guess what? If you're a hand here today, you get to come and be a part of this body. If you're a foot here today, you get to become a part of this body. If you're a pancreas here today, you're getting the idea, Right? Whoever you are, whatever your struggles, whatever your issues, whatever your limitations, whatever your past, whatever your weaknesses, God says, come and share in this as an expression of the one body that is, is molded in my image and you happen to be a critical part of. God needs you. God sees you as indispensable, whoever you are. So with that in mind, Let's just kind of prepare our own hearts. And let's examine them this way. Examine the times we look at ourselves as being worth less. Let's examine the times in our lives where we, we buy into the lie, how could God use someone like me? Let's examine the times that we look at ourselves and go, if only I was like her, then... Let's examine all those ways that we make ourselves less than indispensable. Let's do something else as well. Let's examine the ways we fall into the trap of seeing others as dispensable, as problems to be put up with, as nuisances that we just kind of silently wish in deep corners of our soul would go away. And ask God to come into our own hearts and minds and transform them today. So I just want to give you a moment. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. God, for all, all the yuck that comes up to the surface in times like these, for all the ways we limit you in our own lives and place limitations on what you're doing through others. Forgive us.
And here is God as this, this broken body brought together by you as we confess and pray. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. But for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Listen to what Jesus did for you. On the night he was to give his life for you, the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat because this is my body. And it's broken. It's broken for you. And he took a cup after supper and he gave thanks. He gave thanks. He gave it to them. He said, drink of this, all of you, because this is my blood and it's poured out for you. For the forgiveness of all of your sins. So come do this in remembrance of me. Sinners here today, he died for you. Poured out for you. You are forgiven. Welcome. Welcome to the table of the Lord. Have a seat. You know all about me. You know when I sit down. And when I get up. You know what I'm thinking. You know what I'm going to say. Even before I say it. Wherever I go, Lord. You're with me. You are with me. You are with me. You're with me all the time. When I go to work. You're there. When I am home. You are there. When I go to church on Sunday. You are there. No matter where I go, Lord, you are with me. You created me. You put me together inside my mother's body. You created me. You created me. You created me. You made me amazing. You made me wonderful. Wonderfully. And wonderfully. Right. In my heart, you know about me. I feel 